This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Day two of the NFL Draft is in the books. This is with the First Pick Podcast. I'm Ryan Wilson. That is our general manager, Rick Spielman. More than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. Day two is in the books, as I said, Rick. We're going to talk winners and losers. But before we do that, going back to January, we started this thing called Dollar Bets. And, and, and I came up with that idea. One of the few ideas you've had on, the, of course, this podcast. This is a good I one, didn't though. have the idea of that picture that they have with your head on my body and you actually having hair right you saw the the image coming in the graphic there I look quite buff not in real life that's fine but we're going to talk about the bets and go over and see who's winning these bets as we sit here right now I would imagine I'm in first place but it turns out I am not I mean there are a lot of a lot of not wins for me here so number one overall pick at the top there I said young. I got that one right. And after that, there's a lot, a lot of misses. And you've had quite the run today. You've won six of nine bets so far. I have a lot of work to do going forward. <laughs> and uh, it makes you think, Rick. That do you want to give up now? Do you want to just pay me now? No, because there's a day two board as well. And I think I got I to make a, a move on day two. And here's You lost today. Well, let's look at day two first. Hinton Hooker drafted before QB5. Uh, no, I lost that one. So, uh, all right, this is not working out for me. I, I don't. So let's look. Tank Bixby was drafted today, or Rashawn Johnson. I love Rashawn. Tank went first. So a lot of L's for Wilson, and it almost makes me think, Rick, that you have a little more experience than I do in the evaluation game. The only thing that you won today, and I was set. Oh, that's right. Was when I landed in LaGuardia. I did not realize there was a Mets game going on, and I said I can get to the studios here within an hour. It was an hour and 15 minutes, but I'm going to say because of the Mets game. So I put in an official protest on you setting me up so you can at least get $1 today. Uh, Rick, pro tip, uh, New York City has uh, 3 million people in Manhattan. I don't think the Mets game is the reason why you couldn't get to Stanford. But Connecticut is so small, I didn't realize they had that many cars coming up this way from New York. All right, let's do some winners because Rick was a winner for the most part. He lost the, the driving bet from New York City to Stanford, Connecticut. But let's look at some winners tonight uh, from today's action, I should say. And um, you know what? I'm going to go first because I'm the host. That's, this is one of the few things I have <laughs> going for me so far. just a supporting cast, and if it's going to make you feel better with all the bets that you have lost to go first, I'm here as a self-esteem coach for you. 
<laughs> the world's best GM, the world's worst self-esteem coach. What did you say when we were on the road? My, I would be the oh, worst. Oh, yes. I, I will say this quickly because we, we need to get to the winners. But I, I told Rick several times in our many travels together the last few months that his bedside manner is such that if he were your doctor, you're definitely jumping out the hospital window because that is any, that's better than anything you're going to get in terms of medical advice. All right, my winner, before you make more jokes about me, Will Levis to the Titans. This feels like a pretty easy one because he was certainly a loser yesterday on day one only because he didn't get drafted. But let me ask you, how do you feel about that? Because the Titans trade up from uh, where they were to 33, the second pick in uh, what became the second round, and they get their quarterback. Not a great day for Malik Willis. Um, 35-year-old Ryan Tannehill in the final year of his deal. But I think this is best-case scenario for a young man. There it is. There we go. Who, number four tonight. Number four tonight. Who had so much pressure on him. Going back to when we saw him at his pro day, this feels like a, a great situation. Yeah, and I know when we were at his pro day, it just seemed like everything was forced. The, the enthusiasm with his teammates, the throws he made, he was just wound so tight. Everything was just like just so bottled up in him. This is going to take a ton of pressure off him coming, having to come into an organization saying you're the guy, you're the savior of this organization. That's not what this is about. So he's going to have an opportunity to come in, sit, learn, work on some of the technical things that he needs to do, and then hopefully he'll go on to be the franchise quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. Any chance, assuming everyone's fully healthy, that he wins the job? in September. I don't think they're going to force it. Like I said, the benefit of it after going through all that anxiety last night sitting yes. in that green room, right. then I bet you that was a long flight back home uh, from Kansas City this morning. But he got rewarded tonight being uh, Tennessee going up and making a trade to get him. It's funny you mentioned long flight home. Only one player remained in the green room after not getting drafted on day one. And that young man, five, was Brian Branch, safety at Alabama. And I mentioned Brian Branch because I want to talk about the totality of the Detroit Lions draft. And your brother obviously works in the Lions organization, one of the, if not the best player in Ohio State history. And, uh, you know, I had a great time talking with him. He's now my new favorite Spielman. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> a conversation <laughs> for another time. But I'll let you, because you want to talk about this draft, obviously, because of your relationship with your brother. But this is an absolute grand slam of a draft. And I'll just go quickly through what they did on, on day two. Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, we've talked about Hendon Hooker, uh, Broderick Martin, who they traded to get the Western Kentucky uh, defensive tackle here. And what is not to like about this in terms of what, how this makes this team so much better in that division? Yeah, and even if you look what they did yesterday, and everybody, was, there was some criticism out there about them going to get Jameer Gibbs. Uh, then they came back with Jack Campbell. Guys that are just high-quality, high-character people, but also excellent football players. And when you look at Jameer Gibbs, look at what he's going in the situation he's going into. Mm -hmm. They signed Montgomery from Chicago as the big back. Swift has been hurt a lot, so he has durability issues. Swift's going into the last year of his deal, so this will be a big get for the Detroit Lions because they're getting another explosive playmaker that can not only play in the slot as a receiver, but as a runner. And he can give them more than just a running back position. He brings so much more versatility to their offense. And don't forget, he has returnability as well. And by the way, Brian Branch, by staying uh, in uh, Kansas City to be the to, to get his hear his name called gets to walk out into the stage, which uh, some of the other players, including Will Levis, who left, did not get to do. Just something to keep in mind here. My last winner, 
And this isn't quite as sexy a draft as the, the Lions who we just talked about. The New England Patriots and the New England Patriots, as you talk about, sometimes have their own draft board, Rick, and sometimes they have the draft board that everyone else is following. This year it was closer to everyone else's, but I still think they got so much value. First round they traded down, got Christian Gonzalez. And then today they get Keon White, who I had as 30th on my overall uh, big board. The edge rusher, who is 285, you see there out of Georgia Tech, the transfer from Old Dominion. And then they came back and got Marty Mapu, a guy that we saw for the first time at the Senior Bowl. He's listed as a safety, probably more likely to play linebacker, uh, not quite as, as fluid as you might want in a safety uh, at the next level. But he, I got Kyle Duggar vibes in that he's a small school guy who is such a good athlete and can do a lot of things. What do you think about what they did with Keon White and Marty Mapu? Yeah, I think they took two very good football players. And Mapu, he's going to be an instant starter on special teams. Is really going to help them and what they need to accomplish there. So they got young talent, very good football players. Again, I always emphasize the high character because all those kids are great kids and they still have such a high ceiling. They haven't reached their full potential yet. All right, let's turn to some of Rick's winners and let's start with a team that hit it out of the park on day one and they came back in day two and just kept hitting, hitting home runs, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, no, I loved what Howie Roseman did. They loved to go to the Georgia and when they <laughs> went down, they filled yesterday their two biggest needs that they had defensive line and the reason they went to the Super Bowl last year understanding the offensive firepower understanding how Jalen Hurts played but that defensive line and that rotation and the ability to get pressure on the quarterback that's what got them to the Super Bowl they couldn't keep everybody but how he addressed some of the needs in free agency that he could sign some of the core veterans back that were great team leaders now you got a Jalen Carter who may be the best player in this draft, if you yeah. hit on him overall, for sure the best defensive player. I'm sure they went and checked all the boxes they had to with all the off-field right. issues and the poor pro day and everything else they had to do. So I believe they got a steal there. You got uh, Nolan Smith, who's going to give them edge pass rush ability, a lot like Rasan Reddick does for them. Yep. And then they come back today and get Tyler Steen, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. He can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. We've seen that down at the Senior Bowl. Some even see him as a guard. When you draft a player like this, what you're talking about in the draft room is what he can do and, uh, and where he can line up. So they will look at their offensive line and say, what are the best five players we have up front? And when you got a player with the flexibility that Tyler Steen does, that's going to give them a lot of options up front. And finally, Sidney Brown, your guy, the My guy, guy that you really like. Yeah. Okay, he was a poor man's Bob Sanders to me. There's no question that he is undersized, thickly built, ran very fast at the combine. When you watch him on tape, he does a lot of man coverage. Him and the Big Ten tight ends, you got Laporta, you got Shoemaker, yep. all those guys. He goes and matches up with them. The thing that was most impressive to me was when we went down to the Senior Bowl and everything that he did on tape, it just elevated down there. Every time he got an opportunity to be on a big stage, All-Star Game, which was a Senior Bowl, the Combine, his Pro Day, he just kept answering questions. And they need help at safety. Yes. So not only are they filling needs, but they're filling needs with very good football players. And we talked to him at the Combine, and you came away very impressed. And I did too. And then he went out there and ran a sub 4-5. So check marks all around for Sidney Brown. All right, the next team that is one of your winners, and we're going to go to Denver. 
your old right-hand man, George Payton, was with you forever at every stop, now the general manager in Denver. What would you like about their draft? Because they don't have a ton of picks. Yeah, no, but they took advantage of the amount of picks that they had. Yeah. He stayed true to his board. And when you look at Marvin Mims, who I think Ooh. is the best slot receiver in this year's draft, he can play some outside. He's gas speed. He can catch the ball. He can make plays after the catch. He's very explosive playmaker, and they do have an unbelievable receiver room. So I don't know if Russell Wilson's going to have any more excuses going forward, especially with Sean Payton as their head coach. Right. Drew Sanders, we talked about another player that the defense will have, and he'll give them versatility. He's playing stack linebacker. He can also rush the passer. He's athletic enough to cover. Needs to get a little stronger in line, taking on at the point but he does a great job, and for a guy the first time playing a stack linebacker position, he can really find the ball and shows excellent instincts. You can see him right there in coverage, which he didn't do at Alabama, but when he drops from the stack position, he had a natural feel and instinct, which is hard to find, especially at his size at 6'5". And then the last guy who I loved, everybody was thinking he was going to be a free safety. I think he's more than athletic enough to play at the corner position. Right. That's Riley Moss at Iowa. And he is a very instinctive corner, great ball skills, more than willing to come up and will throw his bag of bones in <laughs> in, in a pile and try to hit you. The reason why everybody thought he could be a potential free safety is because of his instincts. And when you got a corner that can hit that is that big and it's a weak safety class, and how smart he is and the type of instincts and savvy he play was, that speaks safety. But I think just because of the way he plays corner, I would play him there first. 4-3 is what we saw from Mims. 4-6, this is what I imagine Sanders run. 4-4 four, four is what get, he's getting athletes is what we're learning. And that's what you need at times when you're in the NFL. All right, your last winner. Let's go down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. They've had a ton of players drafted uh, both on day one and day two. How about eight picks in the first two days of this draft and two of the top three picks in this draft were from Alabama Bryce Young Will Anderson and then Jameer Gibbs that the Detroit Lions took so they hit it out the park from the Alabama uh, perspective having all those picks in the first round I believe all in the top 10 and then you come back in the second day Brian Branch who we talked about not only can play safety he can play nickel corner. He can play outside. Very good football player. Didn't test as well as you no. wanted him to, but he's a better football player, and he's going to give him a lot of versatility with the Detroit Lions. Tyler Steen, an underrated offensive lineman <laughs> who is more than athletic enough to play left tackle. He can play right tackle. Some teams will even project him inside uh, to offensive guard. Brian Young. This kid was an end. They moved him into five technique. I think we watched him down at the Senior Bowl. Yep. He did a great job as an inline pass rusher. Another just very good football player that may not be the athlete that, that tested the combine, but when he gets on the field and puts that helmet and shoulder pads on, there's not a lot of people that can block him. And finally, Jordan Battle. Another limited athlete, you'd say, but because of his smarts and his savvy, He's always in position to make plays, and every time you put an Alabama tape on, a defensive tape on, you notice him, not because of his athleticism, because of smarts and savvy for the position. That's why he's always uh, in the mix on everything they do on the defensive side of the ball. And 
because I don't want to give him short shrift. Tight end Cameron Latu went at the very end oh, yeah. of day three to San Francisco. So yet another Alabama player. And if you're keeping score, they're, they're beating Georgia in that respect. Yeah. More Georgia kids, <laughs> excuse me, more Alabama players drafted than Georgia players. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Those were our winners. We're going to come back and talk about teams that were and players who maybe didn't have quite uh, the first two days that they went like. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. What a handsome devil in that they graphic. They have to fix that because I cannot go any longer after this draft with that kind of character oh. on that uh, Can't a man graphic. dream, Rick, about actually looking like that in real life. We all can't be uh, the muscular, what do you call yourself, eye candy that, that you bring to the set every day. Thank you for that. We're back. I guess I'm still the loser because Rick is always the winner here. But we're going to talk about other losers, or as producer Stryker calls it, the Chicago Bears block. And we'll get to that in a second. But first, Rick, I'm going to start with you and your loser. First up, Keely Ringo, the cornerback out of Georgia. Coming into the season, he was cornerback one uh, early on in the, in the mock draft process in September, October. He was often the first cornerback off the board. Not only did he not go in the first 31 picks, he did not go in, on day two, second or third round. What has happened to Keely Ringo? Why is he still available? You know, I think everybody is scratching their head right now on why he's still on the board. And he's, what, 6'2", 6'3", 4'3", ideal size corner that you're looking for but you watched him on tape this year he struggled in my opinion uh, he's grabby down the field he was inconsistent locating the ball all of a sudden he didn't look like he had many in, uh, much instinct to locate the ball in the air and the other thing that was disappointing when you have this type of size you have this type of speed you should be able to knock people's heads off mm. and I didn't see him do that he needs to be more physical because some teams even said that if he's that size and has that speed, maybe we move him to safety. But he has to go to a system, and someone will take him tomorrow and probably going to get a steal in this draft because if you play him in press man coverage, you teach him how to disrupt the, the receiver getting upfield into his route, they're going to get a heck of a football player. Let me ask you a general question, and not I don't know what his test scores were uh, at Keeley Ringo, but you've said before on the podcast, you don't have to necessarily be a rocket scientist to play cornerback, right? But in you... fact, we really emphasize that the less intelligence when you played corner, though that proved out to be the more productive corner because they have short-term memories. Right. And if they do get beat, they can just bounce back and let's go again. Uh, but the closer you get to the ball uh, from our analytics department, the more you had to score higher on those intelligence tests. So I don't know what his test scores were. I think he's good enough to still play corner. Okay. Someone needs to just take him as a project, work with him, and if you hit on him and you can get his technique down, you may get a shutdown corner in the NFL. And it's crazy to think that we're saying you might get lucky on day three with Keely Ringo when four months ago he was a top 15 pick potentially. All right, your other loser, and I'll 
provide the nuance here because Joey Porter Jr. certainly isn't a loser. He went 32nd overall. Any other year had the Dolphins not been cheating, he would be getting first-round money and the potential for a five-year contract with that fifth-year option. Instead, he's getting second-round money. So why, in your eyes, Rick, is he a potential loser? Well, he's a loser one way, but he's also kind of a winner in another way. A loser, when you look at all the contracts in the first round last year, from pick one to pick 32, all of them were fully guaranteed contracts. Now, there was a significance in, in the size of the contract. I believe Tavon Walker got somewhere in the 32 to $33 million range or more guaranteed. It dropped all the way down to just $6 million a year guaranteed mm. at uh, pick 32. Why this may be a benefit to him? is because he does not have that fifth-year option. So if he comes in there, lights it up, he doesn't have a fully guaranteed contract, but he also doesn't have that fifth-year option. So he may end up being a winner in this in the end. Right now, he's a loser because he lost all that guaranteed money. Right. Good news, though, he's going to Pittsburgh, where his dad played for a long time, won uh, two Super Bowls. Uh, one Super Bowl, excuse me. So that's, that's the development in the right direction. Also be learning from Pat Peterson, who just signed with the Steelers. So that's fun. Now, I have some losers. They're not individuals. They're drafts that make me scratch my head a little bit. And typically, at this point, you, you hit on a couple guys. But I'm going to start with the Chicago Bears because they traded down <laughs> from nine. Is that why uh, Russo left? Musso left because he's a Bears fan and he didn't want to hear this and he heard it for the last eight hours, so I understand that. But they traded down from nine to ten to get Darnell Wright. Love that decision, but that meant they were moving off of uh, Jalen Carter. Fair enough. That means they weren't in on Jalen Carter. But then at pick 53, Rick, they get Gervon Dexter out of Florida. And we've talked about him during the course of the, the, the evening, how he has first-round potential, but it just didn't show up play after play. And if you don't have that focus, why not just stay put at nine and take Jalen Carter, as you mentioned, one of the best, uh, if not the best, player in this class when he's locked in. Then at 56, they get Tyreek Stevenson, a cornerback who at 6'0", 198, looks the part. He didn't play the part, and you mentioned this, and I watched the same game, the UNC game. It looked like he'd been playing football for about 15 minutes. Now, there are other... Can I give you another term that we used to use? Yeah, please. It looked like he was born on Wednesday and looking both ways for the weekend. Yes. Which means he's very confused when he's out on the field. But physically, he has... Do you get that? Is that kind of funny? (laughs) No, it's a good one. (laughs) Uh, But uh, the, the, the issue is that... I'm not, it's not clear to me what they're doing. Why not take Jalen Carter, and I mentioned to you, Tyler Steen, the Alabama player that you just talked about, as opposed to flip-flopping and going with Darnell Wright and Jervon Dexter, and you get equal, if not better, talent and possibly the best player in the draft? Yeah, I, don't, I mean. They, <laughs> <laughs> good question. Yeah, very good question. Fair enough. You finally made a point on this podcast, first time in how many shows have we done? 45. 45 so, shows. One out of 45 ain't bad. So you have no, no explanation for it. Let me ask you, let me put it this way. If you're a team watching the draft unfold and you're in that division or in that conference, are you thinking, I'm okay with what they're doing right now? Well, I never judge because you don't know till three years. So okay. I'm not going to judge. Right now on paper, it doesn't look good. But yeah, we, we talked about New England last year when they took Cole Strange. And I was like, why are they taking a guard from Tennessee where they can get third, fourth round? He actually ended up playing pretty good for him and ended up starting for him. And he's going to be a good football player. So... It's quick to judge what we have to do now in the media. Yeah. But wait to three years and see if this is truly a bad draft or not. Fun fact, I had a second-round grade on Cole Strange. You can believe that or not. I don't. Fair enough. All right, my other loser, and this is one that speaks to your point. you got to wait two or three years. And this team has lost very little in the last five or six years. Kansas City Chiefs. 
Oh, that's very interesting. So here's the thing. Felix Good thing you weren't out with me at the draft in KC. No, yeah. You would have got booed. No. And as you and Pete Prisco like to say, I love everything, so I'd have loved everything about Kansas City. But here's my thinking, Rick. Felix Enedike Uzama was their first-round pick, bottom of round one, the edge rusher out of Kansas. Guy that I really liked, and we even talked about yeah. it on a podcast or two ago that I thought he may slip into the first round. Yeah, and that you did you, I win a dollar on that? Unfortunately, you didn't make that bet. But you had been talking about him for quite a while, and you've talked about this before. He needs to play outside. He can't play reduced, and and certainly the Chiefs understand that. But I wonder if they could have gotten more value. Uh, and we've heard rumors about teams wanting to trade up for a quarterback at the end of uh, round one. Maybe there's an opportunity to trade down and get more picks. Either way, then Rasheed Rice at 55. And we both saw him at the Senior Bowl. He timed really well. He does not play that fast. No. And 6 one 2 4 you're like, oh, I like that. And, again, he, the lack of separation, the lack of play speed was a concern for me. Maybe the thinking is we have Patrick Mahomes, so it doesn't matter. But I felt like there were other better options, perhaps, even if they wanted to address that wide receiver position earlier in the draft uh, with that, that first-round picker trading down, perhaps, to get that. Wanya Morris, I do like. We watched him play yeah. at the Senior Bowl. He, he got our attention. It was quite a surprise for me. I didn't realize how athletic he was. I thought I saw it on tape. He almost looks like a left tackle athlete playing on the right side. Technically, he's got a ways to go yet. But when you watch him move in person down at the Senior Bowl, I thought he had a very, very good Senior Bowl week. Yeah, and again, you talk about this all the time, Rick. This is why you like to see these guys in person, whether it's the Senior Bowl, other All-Star games, the pro Combine, days. and of course the Pro Days where we did the old uh, with the first pick. Pro Day Tour, first annual. Hopefully next year we'll be going down to L.A. That'll be fun. Uh, before we go to break, and uh, someone in my ear won't say who said, make it clear that even though this was the Chicago Bears loser segment, they're grouped in with the Kansas City Chiefs. So one of the few times they'll be grouped in with winners uh, until the season starts. No, uh, no offense, Joe Musso. I wouldn't go to Chicago or Kansas City if I were you for a while. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I just read what's on the teleprompter, and producer Ryan Stryker put those all things all up there. So that's... Oh, okay, here we go. we got to go to break according to the teleprompter. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other notable picks and best players available as we head in to day three. All right, we're back <laughs> with the first pick. Rick, I wish you would quit being disrespectful to my avatar. It's all I have going for me. That's right. Day two here with the First Pick Podcast live in studio. Good to see my good buddy Rick Spielman in person. Once again, all right, Rick, we're going to talk about some other notable picks. We went through winners and losers. Going to talk notable picks, then we'll get to best players available on day three. But let's start with the Packers, a team that, I'll ask you a little pop quiz, Hotshot. When is the last time the Packers took a wide receiver in round one? 2006? 2002. Okay, I was close. Who was it? Uh, I don't know that. Florida State? Javon Walker. Walker. That is the last time, 21 years. Had double ACL knee surgeries. That is not good for wide receivers. <laughs> I've been told, not a doctor. But here's the thing. They have a great history, recent history, of taking these wide receivers in round two. And Jordy Nelson's an example. Greg Jennings is an example. Uh, Christian Watson last year is an example. And this year... Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb is an example out of Kentucky. This year, they are going crazy in round two yet again. So what did they get? Luke Musgrave tied in, and then they get Jaden Reed, wide receiver, and then they come back in round three and get tied in Tucker Craft again. We've talked about Musgrave and Craft, two incredibly athletic uh, tight ends, no doubt about it. And Craft, I called him a mini 
you're not going to like this because Rick doesn't like my comps. A mini Travis Kelsey coming out of Cincinnati. Oh my not, God. not Come now. Come on, Kraft? Coming out of Cincinnati. You're saying Kraft is just as athletic as Musgrave and Kraft is just as athletic as Kelsey coming out of Cincinnati? I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. But let me ask you this. What do you think about what they've done on the offensive side of the ball for Jordan Love, who, unless something changes, is going to be quarterback one? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think getting Musgrave was a huge get for them. And the reason I say that is they got a young group of receivers last year. They added another young receiver this year. And now you're going to have Jordan Love grow with all these talented skill positions. And Luke Musgrave, who we talked about, didn't play much last year, was injured. Did you know, Ryan, that he was almost a professional downhill skier? That's right. And he, he also played a sport that your son coaches. Lacrosse. Yeah. And you did not like his mustache at the combine. And he did not like me not liking his mustache. <laughs> And By that the way, was our worst interview, and you just ruined the whole interview right off the bat by commenting on his little uh, Frenchy mustache. <laughs> Pencil and to be fair, and you know this better than I do, sometimes these players are nervous. And it's a job interview. They're talking to people in the media they may not want to talk to. I get all that. A name we mentioned, by the way, and I would be remiss if I didn't correct us. Devontae Adams apparently was a second-round pick, too. Yes. So he was pretty good. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, the Packers. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how this works out for Jordan Love because it feels like Jordan Love is going to be in a situation where there are going to be few excuses to have success because they're putting the players around. But you have to remember, they're all young. Uh, the receivers yeah. last year are going okay. into their second year. That's true. And they're going to grow. These rookies are coming in. They don't know what the NFL is about. They have all the physical traits that you're looking for to be impact players but it's going to take time and it's going to take development. And they're going to grow it with a young quarterback who has very little play history, a lot of upside, and Green Bay is all in on Jordan Love. So it'll be interesting to see how the Packers grow this young group of skilled players with their young quarterback. Another team I wanted to mention, player in particular, in terms of notable picks that got my attention, uh, the Washington Commanders. Yesterday, in the first round, they got Emmanuel Forbes at 16. We had heard that might be a situation that happened. Huge, great ball skills, the best among the cornerbacks in this draft class. Then on day two, they come back and get Jartavius Martin. He goes by Quan, and he plays in the slot. He can play free safety. He can play outside if you want him to, 5'11", 194. Ran sub 4'5". Teammates with Devin Witherspoon. Teammates with Sidney Brown, who you talked about earlier, the safety as well. There is very little to be worried about with this draft class. And then they get Rick Stromberg, uh, who can play center guard from Arkansas at the end of day two. This is a pretty good draft haul. Yeah, no, they've done, they're following their board. And when you see this and you see the type of players that they're taking, they're all playmakers on the, uh, at their respective position. They needed help, especially in the secondary. They addressed those needs in this draft. And they got a very good center that has an opportunity, probably not going to be a starter in his first year, but he has a lot of upside from an athletic skill standpoint to fit what they're doing uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Just a quick question. Does this feel like a relatively deep center class that we weren't necessarily talking about until the first two days? Well, I think some of there because there's combination center yeah. guards. So that's why you kind of copped out a little bit, if I can say that. Yeah, you can. And put him as interior offensive lineman. Because when people draft, <laughs> when people, I love that you think that I'm making the graphics, by the way, but go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when people are um, building their draft board, yeah. some of them will be at center, some of them will be at guard. Right. So that's why you have to give them. And that's what makes them more valuable because on game day, you only have seven offensive linemen in the eighth 
uh, offensive lineman, but most of the time, if you're a backup or if you're a young player and you want to be active on game day, you have to be able to play multiple positions. And a lot of the guys that we're talking about, a lot of the offensive linemen we're taking yesterday are going to be, you know, probably day one starters. Today, a lot of these guys have position flexibility. So as they learn and grow, they'll dress on game day, may not start, but if someone gets hurt, they could potentially go into guard, they can go into center. Some of the tackles we talked about can play tackle to guard. So that's what's making them so valuable when they're getting picked in the second day here. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot because you're pretty good at thinking on your feet. And if not, I have a backup answer just in case. Any other players that were picked today that stick out in your mind? And if you need a, a hint, i got one for you. Give me a hint. Short arms. Oh. Tampa Bay. No teeth? No teeth. Yeah. Uh, Cody Mock. Cody Mock, yeah, no, I loved the player when I watched him on tape. He was a left tackle at North Dakota State, dominated his mm -hmm. level of competition, very athletic, has athletic left tackle feet. He just doesn't have the length of a left tackle. When you watch him on tape, he does an excellent job getting out in space and just finishing guys. And you see him lock on the players at that level and take them out of bounds and throw them out of the barn up into the stands. So he's going to move inside the guard. Tampa Bay has a history of taking left tackles from small school and putting them inside the guard. And I'm going to ask you a question. I would love and, you to. And you already have the answer to this. Last time they did that, that small school player ended up being a Pro Bowl player. Who was that? Allie Marpet out of Hobart. Yeah, you said it was just right down the road. Right down the road, an hour away. Did you go scout him? <laughs> he was on one of the great, uh, one on the Finger Lakes. I went to the Finger Lakes. I, I forgot to look for him there, but that's a conversation for another time. Ah, look at that picture. That's a, that look. Here's the thing, though. You don't want a, someone who looks like they're a supermodel to be your uh, to protect your quarterback. You want him to look like he's Thor's. He looks like a pirate. He looks like Thor's long lost cousin. And I know you don't watch movies that are on the Hallmark Channel, Rick, but this, that's a good thing. Is it? Yes. Okay, so now we don't have to spend all that time watching film. We could just look at their profiles and determine whether they're going to be good football players or not. So what is more, uh, gives you more pause? Cody Mock's mugshot or Ryan Wilson's avatar on the, <laughs> with the first pick image? Definitely the avatar. I would take Cody's uh, Mock's mugshot over your avatar. I would day. ask our awesome graphics people to put Cody Mock's face on my body on the avatar <laughs> and then we're all winners as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's do best players available and I, I'm going to start with some names that even are on the top of our, our list when you look at the CBS Sports uh, best available players list. Quarterbacks. After Hinton Hooker, we've had five quarterbacks go, Rick. Jake Hayner, Jaron Hall, Clayton Toon, Darren Thompson Robinson. There are plenty of names out there. Is there any name among the quarterbacks that you might see go early on day four? Uh, I'm going to go with Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Okay. We talked about him on previous podcasts. He's not the fastest. He's not the most athletic. Doesn't have the strongest arm. But he just has the smarts, the savvy, the ability to make off-schedule throws. A lot of the things that I saw on him on tape reminded me of Case Keenum. And that's a good thing because we've talked about it before in the podcast. Case Keenum was a quarterback that went 13-3 for the Vikings in that year that many people thought that was a lost season. 
Yeah, and, and he's, too. yeah, he's going to develop, and I think he's going to be a very good backup in this league. And those backups nowadays make pretty good money. Yeah, I've talked before about Dorian Thompson-Robinson because of the athleticism and the arm strength. I'll mention Jaron Hall, who I probably haven't talked about since the Senior Bowl. I liked his tape in the fall, but the consistency wasn't there at the Senior Bowl. I don't know if there was an injury we didn't know about or otherwise. I know that some teams like him. We'll see how much on day three because a lot of times teams say one thing and then they do another by the time of the end. And undrafted. don't forget about Aiden O'Connell, yeah. too. The, the uh, quarterback from Purdue, what he's not athletic, but he does a great job in the pocket. He has excellent vision, very accurate thrower, may not fit the athletic mold that these quarterbacks are, but I think he has a chance to be a solid backup as well. Okay, let's look at the cornerbacks list, too. I think we have that graphic because there are a few names on here that I thought had a really good chance to go on day two, and they're still available, and I'm sort of curious about that. Of course, we have Eli Ricks. We were at his pro day at Alabama, and there was some concern um, about the 4-6 speed. He's plenty long. He looks the part, but he was a little slow. He transferred from LSU. That was uh, something that stuck out. Jalen Jones, the cornerback out of Texas A&M, is another name that I thought had an opportunity to get drafted. Then we had... Uh, Clark Phillips III, and I'm going to ask you about him out of Utah. Smaller cornerback, uh, probably a Nick, and he didn't run particularly well. And then, of course, Keely Ringo's at the top there. And you can talk about Clark, or even Jacorian Bennett, who ran yeah. in the four threes, played opposite Tay De, uh, Tay, uh, Dante Banks in Maryland. I thought he had a chance to go day two as well. Which one of these names uh, interests you the most? Bennett, by far, is the okay. one that interests me the most because everybody was on, on him watching in the fall, then all of a sudden Dante uh, Banks comes out, and then everybody's talking about him, and they forget about Bennett. But Bennett had very good tape this year. He is athletic. He has speed. I think he has a position flexibility to not only play outside, but also line up as a Nick over the slot and play a lot of man coverage. And Clark Phillips in the same way. He is a very good football player at Utah, undersized, didn't run very well. Probably quicker than fast, but a very good football player. He's more than willing as a tackler for size, and he has excellent ball skills. An offensive line is obviously one of the most important positions. A lot of times those players get overdrafted. I haven't really seen the case in this draft, and maybe that's why some of these players are, are, are still on the board and available. Dewan Jones, first-round talent all day long. 6'8", the wingspan, uh, what feels like it would be 10 feet if you laid him down sideways. He had 36-plus-inch arms, 375 at the Senior Bowl, 374, I believe, at the Combine. Didn't get weighed at his pro day. There were concerns about that. He is dominant when he wants to be, Rick. He also is still on the board as a potential first-round talent. And I'll lump him in with Jalen Duncan, uh, one of the best athletes in this draft class who played left tackle at Maryland. Uh, there were some maturity concerns, tried to play right tackle at the Senior Bowl, struggled, and fair enough, it's not an easy transition. Is there a chance for these guys to get drafted and be the players that they should be based on their athleticism? Yeah, no, I think those guys are all going to go here early in the fourth round because they're too talented not to. DeWan Jones, I think he fell some. Uh, you know, we remember we were down there at the Senior Bowl yeah. the first day. I mean, he was off the charts. He may have been the best offensive lineman down there. Then all of a sudden, he weighs in. He's weighing about 374, 375. Same at the Combine. The whole NFL goes to the Pro Day at Ohio State. They're going to go see uh, C.J. Stroud, though. They're going to go see Smith and Jigba run. And then you see... Paris Johnson Jr., 
going through the offensive line drills. You see Whipler, who's still another good player on the board. Yeah, still out there. Going through his offensive line drills. They worked out for 20 minutes. Then they go into the end zone. All these offensive line coaches go down there and working for another half hour. They didn't blink a bye. You see Dewan Jones refuses by own choice, which he said, I'm not going to step on a scale. Right away, as a general manager and everybody, coach, every person I talk to says he weighs 400 pounds. That's why he's not going to step on a scale. All of a sudden, all the momentum that he built started to go down like this. Then we go out, okay, well, he'll probably do drills so we can see him move in person. <laughs> How'd that go? He went out there in sweats and didn't do anything. And what irritates the heck, <laughs> I, I get choked up about it. Irritates the heck out of me is when you throw the ball out in the yard and you don't want to oh, go boy. compete. There we go. That's a negative in my book. He just stood there all pro day in a sweatsuit and watched all his brothers that he went out to battle with all year and let them go out there and raise their stock, and he didn't come out and answer the bell. Another rumor that I heard from a team, they took him out to dinner. He said he ate so much, he ate two meals and took one to go on the way out the door. <laughs> oh, now Rick's telling stories on him. That's great. All right, that, that is, by the way, I've heard this story about rolling the ball out 14 million times, and that's not an exaggeration. As what? much as you say, fine young man? Yeah. Maybe I should get fined if I say roll the ball out in the yard. Let's see who wants to go play. Yeah, we'll both be broke. I think that's the takeaway there. <laughs> All right, Rick, that's a wrap. That's a wrap on our day two coverage here uh, from the studios in camp. Oh, here oh, we, go. we go. We're making Finally. magic happen. That's right. If you're uh, listening, you got to watch on YouTube, watch on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, our guy, Cody Mock, on my body. Everyone's winning except for Rick there. By the way, Rick, you look way too handsome in that avatar. We haven't talked enough about that. So easily. That, that is the best. Look at that. Mock draft. They got the mock draft in there, too. These guys are pros. They are also very tired of this draft as well. <laughs> when we're getting down to this part of the draft and they have time to do stuff like this, it's time to get ready for next year. And I can't wait. When is your 2024 mock draft coming out? I'm, that's a great tease, Rock, uh, Rick, because we're going to leave here tonight. We'll be back tomorrow for day three coverage. You can follow us in the meantime, wherever you get your podcast with the first pick. For Rick Spielman and Ryan Wilson, thanks for joining us.